You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome in to another edition of the Blogging the Boys podcast. And of course, it's Thursday. That means Riled Up on the Cowboys is bringing it to you. You got me, of course, Roy White and my man, Tom Ryle, bringing you the latest on all the Cowboys news, plus some reactions from the draft. And we'll get into that here in just a bit. But we got actual Cowboys news again. It seems like they continue to churn it out, Tom. They never leave us wanting. And at the beginning of the week, it was the news that Leighton Vander Esch would not be offered his fifth-year extension. They would not uh, They would not pick up that fifth-year option for his rookie contract, and we'll get your thoughts on that here in a bit. But let's start it with, you know, the, the, the roster news. Six players were actually cut by the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. as they made their effort to get down to a 90-man roster for the offseason. And while most of those players are names that – the average Cowboys fan is probably not going to be familiar with one in particular is a player who started 32 of the last 38 games for the Dallas Cowboys. And that is defensive lineman Antoine Woods. So the human log man. And, and I'll be honest, this one surprised me a little bit only because I thought Antoine Woods had come in and done a serviceable job. Now, unfortunately, He's played a position that has been belied by Cowboys fans because their run defense has been so terrible. And Mm -hmm. I can understand uh, the thought process that, hey, if your run defense is one of the worst in the league, then it probably starts up front and specifically on the interior. However, the real reason I think Antoine Woods got cut is not because of his motor or because of what he brought to the table. It was because the $2.1 million salary that he signed this offseason was fully Mm non-guaranteed, and that meant that the Cowboys could recoup the entirety of that by releasing him. Um, Yeah, just wiped it out. Yo, go ahead. Yeah, it just wiped it out. I think it also speaks to the fact that um, Dan Quinn and his assistants have some very – specific ideas of what is acceptable in terms of physical measurements and size. And one thing that's been noted is that all the linemen they brought in have very long arms uh, and the human log uh, didn't. And so a little bit undersized. Yeah. And you know, he wasn't, of course he wasn't one of their guys. Nobody else really was because this was their first year. But now they've signed some free agents and they've drafted some people for the interior of the defensive line. And I think to them, they just saw Woods outsider. I think they picked up the option on him as insurance in case the draft didn't work out or the free agent signings didn't go quite the way they thought. I can't remember 
if they actually picked it up after the free agents were brought on board or not. But I'm fairly certain that there was some insurance for the draft involved there. If things didn't fall their way and they didn't get the defensive lineman they wanted, then they could, uh, you know, just switch over and, and keep him on board until they came up with some other solution or, you know, maybe just ride the season with him. But, you know, they picked up, uh, what, two defensive tackles and a defensive end with the, uh, the draft. And, you know, one of the Quentin Bohana is uh, kind of in the mold. You know, they pick up Brent Urban, who's a run stuffer. And Bohanna, I hope I'm saying that right, is even more so. Uh, he lost 30 pounds and he's still 327, you know. Uh, he is a big uh, gap plugger. And that was the knock against Woods, to my knowledge, is that he did get pushed around a little bit inside. Um, he wasn't great at the pass rush, but at least he was competent. But when it was a running game, he could get uh, dug out of the hole a bit too easily. So I think that's really what they're, uh, they're looking for is guys that could come in and just shore that up. Um, and at least we'll talk a little bit more about how I think roles may work out. But I think that's kind of what caught up to him. Uh, and, you know, Quinn just wanted to bring in, and when you look at it, he's now got four, maybe five interior defensive linemen because I've heard that Basham, the free agent that was thought of as more of a defensive end, is being looked at more for a Tyrone Crawford role to be the guy that can play all positions. So, you know, it's interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how they put it together and how well it works. Well, so you mentioned they picked up two defensive tackles. You mentioned uh, Quentin Bohana, the sixth-round mm -hmm. draft pick they took with the 192nd pick out of Kentucky. In addition to that, in the third round with pick 75, they picked up Osa Odigawuza. Uh, sorry, um, and it's going to take us all a long time to, to pronounce these names Od correctly. Od it's – Odigazua, I believe. Say again? Huh? Odigazua, I think. Yes, Odigazua, the defensive tackle out of UCLA. And you notice, you notice I let you take the first run at that. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. And we already had it in the, the blog in the boys' chat, uh, our main editor making a point to all of us to we better get these names right early on because he doesn't want to have to be changing it up. I understand that, sir, but uh, that's a game that – you're all going to have to be dealing with between Fahoko and uh, Mukuamu and Farniok and all these guys. Uh, let's, uh, you know, I guess cross our fingers that maybe all of them don't make the roster. Although, um, you know, Odigawuz, Odig, Odig, Odigizuma. I'm, I'm literally Odigizuma. I'm literally reading it. I'm looking at, I know. It at the screen, and and I can't, <laughs> can't say it smoothly. So I'm just going to call him Odigi. For now, Osa Odigi. Um, Diggy is what people call him. Yeah, nice little draft pick, nice little selection. Um, brother. And almost uh, assured to make the roster. I think so. Now, of course, we got the return of Tristan Hill coming off of an ACL injury. Also, for those that don't recall, the Cowboys did add a defensive tackle. Um, uh, this offseason, Carlos Watkins is a name many Cowboys fans might not really remember. And then, you know, Neville Gallimore on the inside. And Brent Urban. Are they going to use him on the inside a little bit more? Right now, according to the depth chart, they actually have him listed as an end. 
if you can believe that. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, and are they talking? I saw something uh, on the on the Twitter. I believe it was Joy Ikes. Um, yes, was talking about the fact, huh? I I saw the exact same thing, and I yeah, almost wanted to save it for another front. pod because yeah. I think it's worth exploring in its entirety. But to give a brief summary, essentially what the context of it was is that Dan Quinn's defense, especially dating back to his Seattle days, really played a mesh of almost a combination of a 3-4 and a 4-3 to where if the outside rusher stood up, you might call it a 4-3, right? Or you might call it, you might call it a 3-4 if the outside rusher stood up. Yeah. If he's down, then it looks like a 4-3. But the way that the line and the linebackers are shaded, they almost play heavy to the closed side. And then they allow the outside rusher, whether that's a linebacker or a defensive end, to kind of be free on the outside. And again, I'm probably not doing a great job of describing that. Yeah. But essentially so what I picked Yeah, what I picked up from it was it's a five man front and it can be one guy standing up or two guys standing up. And all five can come on the rush or only four can come on the rush, you know? And so it's part of it gives you that whole, okay, we're looking at it, but we don't know what's going to come out of it. You know, we're not sure how they're going to deploy it. And it sure does seem that with Micah Parsons and um, the uh, Jabril Cox, Cox that they're, and with Keanu Neal as a linebacker, which Dan Quinn specifically said, He's a linebacker. Um, those guys can line up and either come at the passer or grab a receiver or tight end and, and ride them into coverage. So, you know, I can see how that lets you try to, to confuse and muddy the waters for the opposing quarterback and the opposing team. Yeah. And – and for a team that struggled against the run, it also is something that might effectively, you know, encourage the offenses you're playing against to option out of a run play because, like you mentioned, that, that five wide along the defensive line kind of look that Dan Quinn is going to bring. So we'll get into that a little bit more later on, of course, uh, on this podcast. We got all offseason to break that down, and I look forward <laughs> to doing it with you. Some other names or at least one other – name that I think of the six that Cowboys fans would at least be familiar with several names average Cowboys fans not going to be familiar with when it comes yeah. to who they cut this week but the other surprising name I think Adam Redman the center only yeah. surprising in that they really didn't add anybody of significance along the offensive line outside of one player who quite honestly probably got the worst reception of any Cowboys draft pick I've seen in the last yeah. decade. And he, yeah, and he was a he's a tackle. And the only other guy they added was their last pick in the seventh round. That was uh, Farniak, oh, yeah. who could be a guard or center, which is what Redmond did. He was a he was a guard slash center, so he could cover all three interior positions. But, you know, 
relying on your last draft pick when you had 11 picks to uh, let you let somebody like uh, Redmond go does seem, yeah, a little bit odd. Um, and and I'll just, you know, I'm always disappointed with the guys that hang around for a couple of years and it looks like they're going to be able to, to get some kind of a career going and then all of a sudden it's over. Um, I do hope that, like Woods gets picked up. I don't know what's going to happen with Redmond, but they might. He might be one of those guys that just tell tell him, "Look, we know who to call if we need somebody. So if you don't pick up another job, maybe we'll have we'll get you back in here." Mm-hmm. Well, they added along the offensive line and free agency. Of course, remember they added Tyler uh, Neat Nitsky. Nisky, yep. Thank you again. These names—they're going to throw me off all offseason. Hey, I'm guessing at most of them. They had added some players, and then of course, you know, Josh Ball, who they added there in the fourth round. Uh, we won't dive too deep into his domestic history, outside of saying that he seems to have some domestic issues that led to him being ousted from the first college that he attended. That's why he wound up at Marshall. Um, and when given the opportunity to address those issues, right, he was asked on the Cowboys station on draft night about and whether or not whiffed. and he had any thoughts on that. And unfortunately, brother, that ain't going to be the last time you're asked those questions. So, Especially not when you give such a mealy mouth answer. Exactly. Basically, right? basically one that avoids any acknowledgement that maybe he has a problem and just mm-hmm. He just basically said, well, you know, he said, she said, water under the bridge. Yeah, that's not what we Yeah, the, the past may be the past, but you can still address it and tell us what you've learned from the past. Maybe if you felt like you were wrongfully accused, then maybe your answer is what I learned from this situation is to not put myself in those types of situations where I can be accused of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. But to say simply... It's in the past, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Unfortunately, leaves us with nothing except to, you know, assume that, okay, whatever's in the past may have happened, and you're just at a position now where you no longer want to address it. And unfortunately, with America's team, that's probably not going to fly. So um, not a lot of Cowboys fans right now cheering for Josh Ball to even make the squad. No. So that is an offensive line spot that – you know, they may ultimately have to deal with as well. But let's get to the the showcase, right? Because for the most part, it's not sixth rounders or fourth rounders or seventh rounders that Cowboys fans are excited about. It's those guys that are taken in the first two days. And in my mind, the selection that the Cowboys made on Thursday, having been further removed from it now – than we were in the moment. I admit, I do feel better about it. Stepping back and realizing what they may not have in 2021, especially after they made the decision with Leighton Van Der Esch to not pick up his fifth-year contract, it's very possible that they will lose both of their starting linebackers in 2021, and that's something that at some point in this draft, the team needed to get ahead of and needed to address. Did they need to do it with the number 12 overall pick? Well, it actually got a little better when they got the trade back at the last minute that, oh, 
Somebody had who, mentioned that man, at some who time. Who's the smartest guy in all of covering the Cowboys who actually not only suggested that this could happen, but gave us the exact picks in which the deal would get done. And, oh, by the way, yeah, that's, that's my show host. That's my co-host, Tom Ryle. Uh, go back I, to his tweet. Listen to the podcast from two weeks ago. And Tom will tell you exactly how that trade was going to go down. He even wrote an article about it. So we got the yep. printed proof. And you can check that out on bloggingtheboys.com. Yeah. Uh, just that, so I'm not lying to you. That, to me, was good enough that the extra third-round pick, to me, kind of made it a lot more palatable. And and the fact that, that they they lost their, their – Top, you know, Sertan was gone, and and you know they lost both of the cornerbacks right before they went on the clock. Uh, and there were some people saying, "Well, why didn't they go up and get them?" Yeah, I don't know about burning the gap, draft capital. I could see an argument for it, but can I also see the argument against it? So, getting that third round pick, going back two spots, getting exactly the player they were going to take at ten. And charging the Philadelphia Eagles pick, what was it, eighty five for the uh, the privilege of of swapping 84. places with them? Eighty four, yeah. Which they used to select a defensive end out of Iowa, Chauncey Golston. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm like you. I feel a lot better than I did at the uh, point. Although you know, when the 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 two corners went, it was like, well, maybe Parsons is now their best option. And it's just it, – it actually happened that it got wiped out. The only guy I would have entertained at that point was Slater. And I guess I can understand that they really didn't feel like bolstering the offensive line when their defense was coming off such a bad year. was, was a That was not something they felt was sustainable for them. Yeah, if we're being honest, right, Slater probably doesn't come in and start right off the jump. Oh, so where is he going to – well ex- – I, yeah, I know. Maybe you slide him in at guard uh, for now, yeah. and then you slide him over to tackle. But, again, it wasn't a surefire situation that he would come in and be the starter. Also, though, it's kind of the way I feel about Parsons in that, at least right now, it's not a 100% certainty that he will be the starter to begin the season. And I do tend to think, and I think a lot of Cowboys fans think, that when you are selecting in the top 10 or the top 12, the player you get should be a surefire starter for your defense. So on that front, I understand the argument. I not only, in addition to that, I also understand Cowboys fans thinking of the sunken cost that has existed with this team when it comes to them selecting linebackers with first or second round draft picks. Sean Lee, Bobby Carpenter, Leighton Vander Esch, Jalen Smith, all of those names, quite honestly, have failed to live up to the draft capital that was invested in them. Yeah. Having said I, all that, Cowboys I fans disagree. got to treat this differently, right? I, I, dis, I disagree. I think that Parsons is going to start day one. The question is, will he start as part of a three-man linebacking group with uh, Van Der Esch and Smith on the field with him? Or is he going to bump one of them to a, a, a secondary role where they are coming in? And, 
I mean, I may be all out to lunch, but I really think he is a more certain starter than either Smith or Vanderish. And uh, don't forget, the Cowboys didn't stop getting them linebackers with uh, Parsons either. We'll talk about another one here in a minute. Well, so and, and that actually is another point I wanted to make. I do believe, based on a the number of picks they used on this side of the ball, but b the reports that we got that many of these picks were hand selected by Dan Quinn. I yeah. actually believe as we start to read the tea leaves about what these draft picks say and what these roster moves say for the Cowboys, it's pretty clear to me that Dan Quinn is getting more of a runway than just one year with this defense because you well, cannot you, make you would this type so. of investment along the de- – like even if Mike McCarthy absolutely shits the bed and yeah. forces his way out because he goes 4-12 and 12, – I believe Dan Quinn will still be here, and that is because you cannot allow that one individual to invest that much capital into a draft and then not give him the opportunity to see it through and implement the defense that he envisions based on the types of players that he's drafted. And you touched on it, right? The long arms, specifically when it comes to cornerbacks, height and and arm strength and jumping ability. Two six foot four corners, although um, it looks like they may actually have drafted two corners and a guy that's going to become a safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you were talking about how they were hand picked, and the one that really came up was a nation right or nation. Yep. He every word was they basically said, "Okay, Dan, this is your pick. If you could go get anyone that's on the board, who do you want?" And Wright was his guy, which. I'd have no idea why, but I hope he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Well, draft Twitter certainly was asking the same questions as they expected him to be a guy that was going to be available perhaps around and maybe two later than the Cowboys actually selected him. But I think they made up for that when they around later went and got the guy you mentioned earlier and Jabril Cox, who – a lot of people didn't think would be available where he was at pick 15 in the fourth round. So I suppose you can call it a wash Cox, according to a lot of the reactions uh, on the Cowboys draft selections may have been the best selection they made in the draft, a very skilled coverage and zone coverage linebacker can run with tight ends and Bigger inside slot guys has extremely skillful coverage ability, just had a little bit of injury concerns, a little bit of durability issues, and who knows what allowed him to slide into the Cowboys lap. But, you know, that was the one that I think took a little bit out of the sting immediately. uh, Some of the sting out of the reaction from the right selection. Yeah. And don't forget also that they, they immediately went, in round two and got them a cornerback since they missed on their, their big two corners in the, the first round. Then they went and got Kelvin Joseph, who's a very good corner from all I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, you know, they, they wound up and, and took right. Uh, and then they also picked up the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still having to 
learn all the names, so you have to forgive me when I have to look. Uh, Israel Mukawamu. Israel Mukawamu, I believe is how it's pronounced. Yep. But he, he looks like, from all that I'm hearing, I believe they actually came out and said they're going to line him up at safety to start. Yeah. Or at least give him an opportunity to. Now, he was the, uh, the second half of the cornerback pairing along with teammate J.C. Horn, one of the Cowboys fans' favorite mock draft selections that ultimately wound up going number eight overall. Um, he was the second pairing of that. And, yes, looks like he's going to be moved back to safety. He's probably the player I'm most excited about to see if he can come up and make a, an impact and make his way onto this team because that position seems to be one that's still up for grabs. For the most part, based on these draft selections, we can kind of play depth chart games and have an idea of where some players will be. Now, as you mentioned, you know, still up for grabs, I suppose, the starting linebacker position and who will be there. I firmly believe it's only going to be two guys to start the season, and I don't think they're going to play a lot of three linebacker sets. And that's why I initially was a little bit frustrated with the Parsons selection because, again, they had two starters already in that position. But, um, you know, for Mukuamu, a guy that I would love to see be able to make an impact in that secondary, and he'll certainly have every opportunity to do so. One other name we didn't mention from the draft class, um, but I think is worth keeping an eye on, Semi Fehoko. Who oh, I think was, he's got an excellent chance to be either wide receiver five or force them to keep six. I do too. And I really, you know, kind of agree with the skill set and what he might bring to the table. Now, he's a bigger guy, 4-3 speed, likes to play in the slot, uh, a little bit of issues when ter- in terms of catchability, but he can jump up and go get one. And yeah, that's a decent weapon to have for a team that if they're lining up Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and you put that player in the slot along with the Blake Jarwin on the opposite side or Ezekiel Elliott in the backfield, that's a tough cover. That's a tough cover yeah. for a lot of defenses in the NFL as they kind of have to decide how to match up with him because he is a bigger body, uh, excelled against some smaller cornerbacks there in college. So that'll be a name to keep an eye on again. So, you know, Cowboys draft class, all in all, if you had to give it a grade right now, based on the needs that they addressed. And I, as again, as I step back from the Parsons pick, I, I find myself being more comfortable with it because ultimately I decide, you know, the question is, did they make their team better? Did they improve at the position they selected? And I think, yes, they did. It was a position of need, whether depth or more or needing more from the starting positions. It was a position of need and they addressed it. And I think they're going to get, you know, they're run out of it, not to mention, not even mentioning, right, the selection of Cox there in the fourth yeah. round as well. I have a real hard time with a letter grade on this because uh, I, there, there were so many times that I felt like there was a better player available and they kind of got bailed out by Cox and a couple of others showing up where they really maybe shouldn't have had a shot at it. Um, it, let, let, I want to look at it 
in a different way. You know, I've seen a couple things about where if you actually took these players and reordered them and pretended that was the order that the Cowboys took them, it was actually a much better draft than it may have appeared. It would, you know, you move Cox way up there and all this. Yeah. But to me, what I look at, I think they're looking at two of these guys as being either immediate or very quickly becoming starters, and that's their first two picks, uh, Parsons and Joseph. Everybody else I see is a role player, and ain't nothing wrong with everybody else being a role player because you, you don't want a whole bunch of rookies starting uh, game one of the season because that means you had – crap to work with uh, coming in and you didn't do a good job with uh, filling in with free agents. So the question is, are these people going to be the right ones to fill the roles they need? And we have to be realistic. We're not going to see 11 of these, all 11 of these guys uh, on the roster in September. If they get eight, that would be outstanding. I think because you know, they went so deep with so many players. Uh, normally, you know, if you're really going to look at the numbers and how it shakes out, um, anywhere between five and seven is what we really should be looking for. Uh, and anything else, is, as I say, is just gravy after that. So I'm looking for them to find some more. And that's why you may actually have a couple of rookies in the positions that they doubled up on that are actually kind of, they're having to pick between the two. So they're kind of, they're, they're competing with one another, but um, you know, we're looking, we're looking at maybe, you know, the role, uh, role mission, the role plan that Mohana might be that might wind up being that one tech that comes out on, on first down and all he does is come out on first down uh, or uh, third and short and fourth and short. And, then as soon as he gets done, if the other team doesn't make a first down and doesn't wind up with a, with a second and one, he rolls off the field and they bring in guys that are more competent on the pass rusher. That can be a very valuable thing to have. So I, I don't feel horrible. I'm not as giddy as I was last year because don't forget, we looked at that draft last year and we thought this was just home run after home run. Uh, you know, because they had most of the players were not only the Cowboys saying they were like around earlier on their board, but a lot of other people were saying, yeah, they saw it the same way that, you know, their, their, their fourth round pick should have been a third rounder and all that stuff. So that was great. They had an absolutely great draft. Everyone felt it was one of the best in the NFL. They went six and 10 because offensive tackles get hurt that leads to your starting quarterback going out for the last eight games of the season. And all of a sudden you're torpedoed. Mm -hmm. The draft does not make or break a season. It's just one of the pieces. And I've got an article that I hope Dave likes and publishes very shortly that talks about how there are other pieces of the season that are more important. Well, so, and the other part of that, right, we went crazy over the draft last season, and then we saw, for the most part, their fourth and fifth round picks hardly ever played. In Robinson some cases, and Bradley mysteriously. 
Bradley and I never really got on the field to the extent that a lot of Cowboys fans were expecting and hoping. It'll be interesting to see whether Dan Quinn and his, you know, generalship of the defensive unit allows these young guys to kind of develop because, you know, to me last year would have been the perfect opportunity for those young guys to get in there. It was essentially a lost season once you lost your quarterback for the year. And I know they were still competing for the division, or at least they told themselves that uh, whether or not they actually believed it is kind of irrelevant. Um, I would have liked to have seen those guys get some run. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans would have liked to see that as well. In the end, though, all you can do is hope that, yes, these guys do play a role for you here in 2021. Uh, as I reflect on it now, I think in, in, in the immediate aftermath, I would have given them probably a C to a C minus because I felt like there was probably only two or three rounds where they made a selection of a player that was better than what a lot of people viewed was would be available at that time. Um, but I'm still apprehensive and I'm apprehensive about the Parsons selection through no fault of his own, through no fault of his skill set, because I, I do understand and believe that he can be a dynamic talent, but we've seen it too many times with that linebacker group, specifically yeah. here in Dallas underachieve. It's not his fault. And, that's what, and we shouldn't and that's hold what, it against him, but we somewhat will and do. That's where the coaches come into play is how are they going to utilize these guys? Because, like you said, like we, like we were just talking about, not all these guys are just put them in any situation. They have to be used a bit more precisely than that. You have to understand uh, what kind of defense they work in, when you want to have them out there, uh, what you want to line them up against, uh, what the specific role is, you know, and, and that's where, you know, like with uh, Keanu Neal, it was interesting that they came out and clarified specifically that he was a linebacker. Hmm. Um, I think that's tipping a little bit of what they're going to be doing, which is going to be very different, I think. That's what they're going to try to do. Now we've got to find out, will we get the uh, – will the rookie minicamp go off okay? Will they conduct OTAs in Dallas? Will the, the regular minicamp go off? Because, you know, the NFLPA has recommended that they boycott a whole bunch of this stuff. Yeah, well, Tom, after the, some, new, after the events of this week and the offensive lineman in Denver that's probably going to lose 10 if not $20 million on his contract for getting hurt off-site from the training facility – yeah. As a part of their contract, that allows the team to essentially terminate every dollar on his deal because he got injured off-site. If he gets injured at the facility, they have to pay him every dime. With that got news off, having got, broken this week, yeah. I would imagine that many rookie camp, yeah. you know, mini camps, rookie camps, whatever camps, are actually yeah. have a much higher probability of going off over the next couple. Yeah, of years. I actually hadn't had a chance to to double check on that, but he was injured doing his own training, right? That is correct. Yeah. And so yeah, that's like you said, I've got a feeling that's gonna really start to fry up when they look at the ramifications of, of contracts. And yeah, I, I think a lot of the players who are all gung ho for let's not do anything now are going like, wait a minute. You know, if I blow it, if I damage a knee because I've got, I don't have the right spotter or the equipment isn't the right equipment to be for what I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that was one, that was one case where I don't think they were really 
faking this all the way through? Well, again, a lot of people suggested it was uh, the NFLPA trying to grab some power back after they may have given up so much in their latest negotiations with ownership. And unfortunately, you know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, there's no putting it back in again. And there's no renegotiations yeah. of those types of deals once the ink has dried. Aaron Rodgers what... tried to warn them, but uh, hey, that's the way the cookie yeah. crumbles, and that's the deal they got. And I think the real issue that they have failed to address is that they want these players to get paid more for showing up for all this stuff. Um, you know, and so that the guys, those guys that don't make the 53-man roster are basically getting taken advantage of. They're using them for all the practices and everything, but these guys are making a little per diem and that's it. And I think that that's something that should have been addressed better uh, that I think maybe they just forgot about. But, you know, I can see how these guys could get like, have a, you know, okay, have a certain minimum amount you get paid if you are signed to the 90-man roster and make it through all the off-season stuff, then have another minimum amount you're paid for training camp. And that just, you know, if you, if you stay with the team, that just gets kind of taken out of the money that's in your game checks. They just, each game check goes down a little bit because for the, the top guys, that's going to be almost unnoticeable. But for the guy that goes there and goes to a whole training camp and doesn't make the roster and doesn't get picked up somewhere else, he ought to have a, you know, $25,000 or $30,000 for his effort and his work and risking his own health. Yeah. To me, that would be fair. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm trying to be reasonable, and that doesn't always come into play in this stuff. Well, and they're the ones getting busted up the most, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, in the offseason, when we see specifically with the Cowboys, they sign all these wide receivers. We know it's not because they think they're going to carry eight, ten wide receivers on the roster. It's because they need guys for the backups to throw to. And they need guys. Yeah, so you can have a, a second team and a third team and sometimes a fourth team offense out there. Bingo. Well, Tom, another one's in the books. Thank you so much, as always, giving us some excellent work. You can check out all Tom's great work on blogging the boys. He'll have another, have another great article coming for you here in a couple of, uh, couple of days. And then next week, a little teaser for you. We're going to have a preview of exactly what Jabril Cox will bring to the table. That's right. We're going to speak to an insider who followed all of his games at LSU and will be able to give us some excellent insight into what the Cowboys actually got with arguably the player that has Cowboys fans most excited. It's odd to say about a fourth round pick. I don't even know if Cowboys fans were that excited when they drafted Dak Prescott because they didn't know what they had. But with Jabril Cox, uh, it seems to be a little bit different of a situation. And hell, people might be thinking Jabril Cox has got a better chance to be the long-term starter of this thing than Micah Parsons. So we can get into that here coming next week. Tom will have some great articles on that for you. And of course, uh, when we get into this next week, we'll talk about the players who are on notice now that the Cowboys have begun to make some roster moves. And, hell, maybe they'll make a roster move themselves now that we are past the point that compensatory draft picks are counted against you, right? The Cowboys' compensatory draft selection already basically been determined for 2022. They're going to get one comp pick thanks to the Red Rifle. And this was the whole reason I was an advocate, not to toot my own horn, Tom, but 
I was an advocate of signing Andy Dalton last year specifically for the reason that he is a quarterback and it was a high mm. probability that he would get $10 million on the open market and that would ultimately land them a pick. Well, he did just that. The Cowboys are going to get a fourth round comp pick next year in 2022. Not quite four picks like they had here in 2021, but it'll do uh, for what they got out of Andy Dalton, I do believe. So with that, Tom Ryle, you can follow him at Tom Ryle BTB on Twitter. You can follow me at RW3. Of course, give us your thoughts on the podcast. Please rate us on the Apple Podcast Forum, right? Give us a nice little five-star. You know, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. If you think we suck, go ahead and tell us that as well. I don't mind. I would love to read your reviews and your thoughts on the pod. But for Tom, I'm Roy. Thanks so much for listening. We are riled up on the Cowboys, and we will see you next Thursday. Keep, keep your finger triggered to the Blog and the Boys podcast network. We out.